Good Bone Health makes active aging possible. Join us for inspiring conversations from diverse perspectives in osteoporosis from patients, healthcare providers, caregivers, policymakers, researchers, advocates, and innovators. Protect your ability to live your best life. The information and opinions expressed in Bone Talk are not intended to replace the services of trained and qualified health professionals or to be a substitute of medical advice of physicians. You may review the Bone Health and Osteoporosis Foundation's full medical disclaimer at bonehealthandosteoporosis.org. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Bone Talk. I'm Clara Gill, CEO of the Bone Health and Osteoporosis Foundation. Joining me today is Dr. Pamela Peek. Dr. Peek is a nationally renowned physician, scientist, expert, and thought leader in the fields of integrative and preventative medicine. As founder of the Peak Performance Center for Healthy Living, she guides men and women in their quest to optimize their quality of life and longevity. Dr. Peak's Lifestyle Coaching Program is a holistic and integrative program that incorporates her trademark mind, mouth, and muscle lifestyle behavioral blueprint to manage the mind-body, nutritional, and fitness challenges associated with weight and body composition management at any age, perimenopause and menopause, binge eating, addictive eating, and metabolic syndrome. Dr. Peek is also on the board of trustees of the American College of Sports Medicine, and she's the chief medical officer for Bone Health Technologies. Dr. Peek, thank you so much for joining me today. Well, it's wonderful to see you. Good grief. It seems like only yesterday you and I were together at the North American Menopause Society meeting, where once again, bone health was mentioned and is definitely a priority among providers and researchers looking at ways to optimize women as they course through perimenopause, menopause, and then obviously postmenopause and beyond. Yeah, it's really amazing that we are still not completely sure of how everything operates in women at menopause, perimenopause, and there's still so much science to go on. But one thing we do know is the importance of the estrogen change in our bodies and bone health. And delighted to have you here to talk overall about what many of our listeners are very, very interested in, which is the connection between physical activity and uh, exercise and bone. But let's start from the beginning. Can you talk a little bit about the concept of peak bone mass and its significance for laying that foundation for good bone health throughout our lives? Well, you know, what's really important here is to realize that when we talk about bone health, we're talking about an aging process. Now, you know, for all of you who think aging begins at 50, I just want to break your heart and tell you that in women specifically, that we begin to drop some level of bone mineral content by the age of 30. And so how much we drop is really dependent upon a number of things. I mean, obviously genetics kicks in, but really if we're doing resistance training, if we're doing some kind of pounding exercise, say jogging or, or the like, and we're trying to maintain consistency with that over time, 
then that will help mitigate and lessen the rapidity with which we drop bone mineral content. And so I think it's really important for people to understand this, that when I'm talking about physical activity, what I'm not talking about is like, suddenly you're 65 and you're picking it up. Well, that's fine. I mean, seriously, if that's the way it worked out, that that's fine. You, you'll still derive benefit, but you need to be able to have the ability to maintain a strong foundation because you see, you can't stop all bone loss. You can't. What you can do is decrease the decrement in bone mineral density over time. We want to have strong bones. We want to have good thick bones. And we want to have this as long as we can. So we've got 10 million Americans who have weak bones. So weak, we call it osteoporosis. They finally reached a place where they're at much higher risk for fracturing. And of those 10 million, 8 million are women. And what's important is that you don't wait until you're 65 or so before you intervene. You jump in there and you say, oh, look, you know, because you should already be on top of this for the decades prior. So you are what you walk into menopause and postmenopause with. And so I caution people that this is terribly important for women to really, you know, keep in mind. And yeah, it's a huge issue, this osteoporosis. It's a it's costing 25 billion in healthcare expenditures. And so let's take this seriously. But Claire, as you know, how many times do we talk about bone health? We're worried about other things. We we deal with perimenopausal anxiety, mood changes, menopausal hot flashes, sleep impairment, postmenopausal, it continues. Wait a minute, where's our little friend, Mr. Bone Health? And there's so much you can actually do here, especially as it relates to exercise. Yeah, I think most people don't know too that we build to peak bone mass, you know, the strongest, densest bone we're going to have by our mid 20s. And so, as you said, for women, we are always starting to break down on that bone after that age. But for both men and women, reaching that peak bone mass is so crucial in order to kind of build that bank of bone that we have that we're going to then, as you said, carry with us through the rest of our lives. And that I don't think people don't even know that bone is a living tissue that breaks down and remodels itself over and over again. So we kind of reiterate that and talk about that a lot on this podcast, because it's really important for people to think of their bone as another living tissue that we have in our bodies and the importance of taking care of it and moving forward to ensure that we are maintaining that bone density as much as we can. Let's talk about what the most recent scientific research tells us about exercise and its impact on bone health. I referenced in the introduction that you're on the board of trustees of the American College of Sports Medicine and The Bone Health and Osteoporosis Foundation have been working with them on a position paper around bone health and physical activity. 
So what is the, the, the current research around exercise's importance on our overall bone health? There's fantastic research out there. And what's coming to mind is a recent publication in Nutrients by Agostini, Muscle and Bone Health in Postmenopausal Women. And they were looking not only at nutrition, but also the influence of exercise over time. And this is really important because what we now know is exercise has been shown to delay the onset of osteoporosis, improve balance and muscular fitness, and it's regarded as the primary non-pharmacologic treatment for the prevention of osteoporosis and fall-related fractures. Now, I bring that up is because we have 52 million people walking around with what we now call osteopenia. So osteopenia means that when you had your DEXA scan and you looked at the T-scores, which help us understand relative to a, a younger person, how strong your bones are and what your bone mineral density is, that you're beginning to lose some bone. And what we want to do is halt as much as that or mitigate it as much as we can, slow it down so that you don't slip into osteoporosis, or if you have incredibly strong genetics, whatever, then it will just be much further down the line before you actually get it. So that's why, you know, that's important. At the same time, I'm talking about exercise as the Agostini article references. There's another age-related phenomenon taking place called sarcopenia. What does this mean? Sarcoplasm is muscle. Penia means not enough of, just like osteopenia. So in the seventh decade of life, which means in your 60s, you're going to be starting to have an age-related decrease in muscle mass, right? Again, if you're fit and you're really taking good care of yourself, you can slow that all down and you will be able to still maintain excellent strength, put a little money in the muscle bank here and make certain that you're fit you know, throughout your life as best you can, have a strong foundation in your 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, so that you don't have this sudden drop in strength and all the rest of it. So this musculoskeletal issue, they work hand in hand. When you do more exercise, you get a win-win. You're increasing the integrity of your muscle, both in size and strength, um, endurance, balance, flexibility. At the same time, you're also strengthening your bone. So, you know, raise your hand if you're interested in a great royal win-win, and that's the way that basically goes. So the American College of Sports Medicine developed a framework. It's an exercise prescription. We always like to say exercise is medicine. So we're always RXing this as uh, physicians and experts in sports medicine. And this is called the FIT-VP principle, all right? That's F-I-T-T, V as in Victor, P, principle. And that reflects the following. F is frequency. I is intensity. T is time. T is type. 
So there's your, your first part, the fit. And then the V is volume and the P is progression. So one of the things we like to do is make certain that when people address the issue of both the sarcopenia and the osteopenia or osteoporosis in women, that we're looking at a holistic, integrative, comprehensive program. So when I see that, you know, women say, well, all I ever do is walk. All right. Walking is better than nothing. You're weight bearing. That's awesome. What else are you doing? Right. Start piling it on and carefully. And I highly recommend, especially if you have osteoporosis, that you first check in with a physical therapist and then you make certain to find a fitness professional with credentials that address your issues. So this is a time to customize what you need. Don't just make it up as you go along, especially if you have osteoporosis already, because you want to be safe and injury-free. Does that make sense, Claire? Yeah, it absolutely does. And I think those are definitely key things that we need to keep in mind for you know overall fitness, and particularly as we think about those who have osteoporosis or who have osteopenia, low bone mass, and what they might need to do to maximize their health in order to preserve the bone density that they have. So how can we advise people about the particular types of exercise that are good for bone health? You were talking about impact earlier. Can you give us a little bit more detail around that? Well, I absolutely will. Here it comes. Now, What's interesting, Claire, and you and I have talked about this in the past, and that is so much of this is generational. If you now look at perimenopause, where you really should be establishing an excellent foundation for musculoskeletal optimization, right? You're talking about millennials, and these millennials are now, have been weaned on physical activity more so than a woman who was 65 currently. So you've got a 25-year difference. And these younger women coming through have heard all about physical activity. They're not afraid of it. They go into a gym. They're like, yeah, I can lift weights and whatever. Whether they're doing it or not is a whole different ballgame. But they're more familiar. So what I always like to say It's got to be customized to your own experience with all of this. So as we're looking at this, everyone needs to address the following. First, endurance, weight-bearing. It's got to be weight-bearing. Swimming is magnificent. I'm a master swimmer. I get it. But it's not what's going to get you the bone health that you need. It'll be phenomenal for certain muscles, but I'm looking for the win-win. All right, so some kind of pounding, as it were, you know, which includes walking, jogging, running, obviously. I'm not asking you to run. Running is kind of a strange, nuanced thing, and I've done it for years, but I'm here to tell you, mm-mm, you don't have to, so don't break out in a sweat. And, okay, take out that Kleenex now and dot that sweat on your forehead because for a moment there you thought I was going to tell you to do that. All right. No, just walk. But you know, when you walk, when you see a hill, attack it. And notice what happens when you attack it. You pound more. You're like, man, I got to get up this hill. You know, and there it is. 
staircases are pounding. You have to do that. So if you have a little, you know, even a short little uh, step up, something in the gym or, you know, something you have at home, that's a beautiful way to do it. Step up, step down, step up, step down. You could do it on the lower stair of your own staircase. You don't have to go all the way up and all the way down. But when you do that, watch what happens. You're pounding. So obviously jump rope, I'm just bringing up things in general. You can even get a rebounder or a trampoline and go up and down as much more gentle on your bones as you're doing something like that. So something like that is going to be absolutely fantastic. Why? Because we need to jostle the osteoblasts. These are those cells in your bone, in your bone mineral content, right? That are making bone. And sometimes, especially as you get older, you know, you got to slap them around here a little bit with a two by four. Wake up now, stimulate them to make more bone. They will be stimulated by something that's kind of poundy. The second thing is weight training. You've heard this all over the place. No, I'm not asking you to join the Miss Olympia. I'm asking you to do very simple things. I've watched women literally use their own body weight and then maybe a little tubing, and it's not even that expensive. That's all you need to do. If you could do specific exercises where you're strengthening throughout your body, I'm a real fan of, of tubing, costs $20, and you can follow the instructions for training your arms, training your legs, your back, that type of thing, okay? And there are very simple exercises and superb websites out there that will be able to help you with osteoporosis-related resistance training exercises that are safe. Again, always check in with your physical therapist, your provider, an appropriate fitness professional to help guide you in a big way. So that's resistance training. And you need this so badly to be able to maintain physical independence, all right? So one of the most powerful things you need to do is go for those muscle groups that will allow you to decrease your vulnerability for falls. You do not want to fall. I don't care if you're osteopenic or and especially if you're osteoporotic. You don't want to fall. So the best way to practice that is to be able to do balance exercises very carefully. Balance exercises, flexibility. This is another reason why I like yoga, all right? And to make sure your core is strong. And again, mm-hmm. just by doing very simple ab exercises on your back, say for instance, where you just lift up gently to about 30 degrees, no more. I keep my legs completely straight. So the body is just straight, then up you go, and you could feel the burn. It feels so great, but it's going to save your life one day when you need to pivot quickly so that you don't fall. That's the key Mm -hmm. thing. We are doing everything we can so that you don't fall. Because if you fall, Falls, especially among older women, 25% mortality rate. And of the women who do survive, only 50% ever reach their pre-fall level of activities of daily living. 
Okay. That's a wake up call. You do not want to fall. Be strong, you know, flexible, have much better balance so that you can be able to do this well. There's something else too. You should do posture exercises. Posture exercises are absolutely key. So when it comes to posture, one of the things people start doing, and Lord knows because we have devices, we start bending forward. It's almost like the floor starts to look more interesting than what's going on ahead of us. Here's the first thing to keep in mind. Look straight. Look straight ahead. Quit looking at the floor. And then keep your devices more at eye level. Like right now, I'm on this huge monitor. I'm standing up. I'm at eye level. My entire spine is neutral. And it it feels fantastic to be able to maintain that. And then there are plenty of wonderful posture exercises that allow you to be able to throw your shoulders back, lock them in nice and comfortably, and really be conscious of that all day long. Just keep throwing your shoulders back so that you understand that. Why is this important? Because if you keep going forward, then you're going to crush your vertebra. And when you do that, you're going to have vertebral fractures, which are very painful. So we're trying to prevent this. No matter what your age is, I'm sort of horrified, Claire, when I look at young women today and I look at their posture, I just want to cry because they literally are stooped over like a vulture. And I'm like, oh my God, you keep doing that. We're going to run into all kinds of problems as you get older. So please don't do that. It's a terrible thing to do. You're right. You know, posture is so important. I think all the time, it's funny, even if you say the word posture, people sit up and straighten up. So sometimes we just need to even say the word to ourselves to remind us that we have to focus on posture. That's really oh, true. I have like sticky all over the place that basically said, they say what I call, you know, my last name, peak, peak posture, please. The three P's, peak posture, please. And they're all over the place. And I ask my family to always correct me gently. Mm-hmm. And so they'll say peak posture. And I, oh, damn. When you get out of a chair, especially, you forget that you kind of hunched over a little bit while you were in the couch, the chair, whatever it may be. And then you continue the hunch and you don't want that. You want to be able to correct. So I correct all day long and it feels absolutely fantastic. And it's as simple as throwing your shoulders back. If anyone out there, belongs to AARP and who doesn't after 50, they kind of come after you. If you look at the September, oh, see, the August-September issue of their huge magazine, and that is magazine of the AARP that's got 38 million readers. So I have a whole page in there showing correct posture and posture exercises and explaining what neutral spine is so that you have an idea of what to do. So I highly encourage you to look at this. It's got some great animation. And I really enjoyed writing this to be able to drill this little point home. That's terrific. Yeah, we can also reference that in the notes for this podcast too, so that people will remember that they should go check out that article that 
you contributed. So we talked at the beginning and you referenced how we saw each other recently at a menopause conference. Can you talk a little bit about estrogen and the important role that it plays and why we have a harder time maintaining bone density as we enter menopause? Look, at the end of the day, estrogen is one of the most powerful hormones ever. And it influences, I think, just about every tissue in our body. So there's no question about that. And so estrogen has a very powerful effect on bone. Many women notice that if their DEXA is beginning to look a little osteopenic there, that if for whatever reason they're placed on estrogen as what we now call a menopausal hormonal therapy, it could be estrogen alone if you uh, have had a hysterectomy, but you have to always combine it with progesterone to protect the uterus if you still have one. But it is very powerful in its ability to maintain bone mineral content at the cellular level. So women have noticed that that gives them an extra edge. And I personally wish that if it's possible that there's more of a discussion about the benefits of estrogen when women are having their first conversations about menopausal hormonal therapy, especially as they're perimenopausal or beginning to course through menopause. Really important. Why? Part of it is that as we've discovered from the Women's Health Initiative and so many other studies, that it's important to be able to address menopausal hormonal therapy, either in perimenopause when women are in their 40s, or just at the time of menopause, you don't want to wait like 10 years later and then suddenly come up with this great idea to place someone on estrogen. Because as we learned from the Women's Health Initiative, that is not good because your body is already adjusted to a completely different hormonal homeostasis. And so I'm just telling women out there, please have the conversation earlier, better than later, and then realize it will be dealing with lots and lots of symptoms. When you see the laundry list of symptoms, like 34 at least, perimenopause, perimenopause, you know, what's not listed there is the silent epidemic of osteopenia of the loss of bone because you don't feel anything Mm -hmm. until it's too late. So that's why I'm just glad you brought that up because it's so powerful. Yeah, there's so many things. And again, I think if we just help women to understand how that progression through the perimenopausal stage and into menopause is a really good time to take stock of our overall health, our bone health, our physical health, our brain health, et cetera. And then there's plenty of things we can do to sort of improve how we treat ourselves and what we do for ourselves. So let's talk a little bit about the connection between exercise and nutrition, because I know that you're an advocate again for being integrative and preventative. So what's the role of nutrition in all of this as well? All right, here's my one-liner. You cannot outrun your fork. Okay, so you could work out all you want to, but if you go home and eat trash and mountains of it, oh, come on. I mean, then you go to the gym constantly and you go, how come I don't see any changes? Well, (laughs) so what I always say, that's why to your point, um, when you first introduced me, I came up with in one of my first books, Mind, Mouth and Muscle, 
The mind part of this is obviously being focused on self-care. Do remember self is not a four-letter word. Take care of self, all right? And all of that, and which also includes things like sleep and the rest of it, which is incredibly important. However, when we go to nutrition and, you know, fueling your body so that your body can actually move and do the things I've just recommended, all right, here's one of the first little problemos that women run into, not enough protein, all right? So women go, well, I have a little delicate nothing for breakfast, and then a couple flakes of lettuce for lunch, and then maybe <laughs> a little fish, you know, at dinner. So I've just added up about 30 grams of protein. I'm like, come on. All right, ladies, take your weight, okay, divide it by 2.2. That will convert it over to kilograms, right? So if you're, you know, like about 145 pounds, if you divide that out, it comes out to almost 70 kilograms. Now you take that and multiply times 1.4. And this is something that is especially important as you get older, because for a host of reasons, you know, appetite decreases, taste changes, etc. you're not having enough protein. And you think, ladies, that having a protein for just one meal is going to cut it wrong. You spread it out throughout the day. So for instance, in that woman I just described, it was someone I was just working with yesterday. All right. So she's got about 90 grams of protein. If you don't hit 90, I'm not going to cry at all. But you could plan it out to try to get fairly close. So what about that yogurt with walnuts in the morning? So I use the Icelandic skier yogurt, which is 15 grams. It's incredibly healthy throw on some walnuts, right? And you got 20 grams, boom, right? What if I decide to also have a shake somewhere along the line? And the shakes are very healthy these days. There's all kinds of sources of protein. They're plant, whey protein, all kinds of good stuff. Two scoops is usually 20 grams. Boom, I'm already at 40. What if I have a nice filet of fill in the blank? And you could go vegetarian too, just do it with legumes, tofu, whatever works out best for you. And let's just say that's classically about 25. Where am I now? Well, lo and behold, we're at 65. I'm just, you know, clicking my heels here. And then you can fill in the rest of the day with another nice, you know, meal. It doesn't have to be a monster meal or anything, which will have at least another 20 grams, maybe 25. And you could also have little protein snacks throughout the day, which really work like a charm. Nuts, seeds, hummus with carrots. I mean, all these things give you, it's like little nickels in the piggy bank. At the end of the day, lo and behold, you shocked yourself. You hit 80 grams. Who knew? But you need the protein. What is the point? of doing all the exercises if you don't give your body the building blocks, the amino acids from protein to be able to build the muscle. All right, speaking of which, be patient. You're a woman. Now, unless you're Serena Williams or some unbelievable goddess like this in terms of muscle mass, the grand majority of women will put on a good, solid pound of muscle 
if they're really doing their exercise, you know, strength training and everything three times a week, right? And always doing your weight bearing every single day that you humanly possibly can, right? Then it'll take about six weeks, right? For a pound. And as you get older, it's a little bit longer. But if you stay with it, oh my gosh, you're putting more cylinders under the hood so that now you become more of a metabolic furnace and it'll be much easier for you to be able to optimize your body fat at the same time. So you see, to your point, this is why I'm holistic and integrative because look at all the win-wins we're getting out of here. Mm -hmm. If you just sort of patiently and think it through and do some planning, because women who wing it feel like that, live like that. No, 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 no. If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. So let's plan. That's great advice. And I love the focus because we we forget, we talk so much about calcium and vitamin D as the building blocks on for what we need for bone strength. And we forget about how important lean proteins are, as you said, particularly for the muscle mass, right? The muscles protect the bone. And so we have to have both if we're going to really truly make sure that we maintain our bone health throughout the lifespan. So thank you so much for reminding us of those things and for sharing those those excellent recommendations about how really can be fit into your daily diet if you well, just plan ahead. We could talk about this forever, but I know that we're running out of time on this. So I just want to thank you so much, Dr. Peak, for joining me today and sharing your insights and your expertise. And we'll make sure that we have the information about you and your books and uh, how people can learn more about the great work you're doing with the notes of this session and episode. And we'll have links, as I mentioned, to all of it on bonetalk.org. And if you'd like more information about how to keep your bones strong and healthy for life, please visit us at bonehealthandosteoporosis.org. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. And if so, please do two things. One, subscribe to Bone Talk so you never miss an episode. And two, please share this information with your family and friends. Thank you again to my wonderful guest, Dr. Lorpam Peak. Oh, thank you so much. And here's a reminder, make sure your doctor gets your vitamin D level. So demand that so you know, because you can't absorb your calcium without vitamin D. And as you get older, oh, we, you know, we need to make sure to stay on top of it. So that's my last little reminder. That's a great, great last tip. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time on Bone Talk. Thank you for joining Bone Talk, the bone health and osteoporosis foundations podcast that shares information, strategies, and inspiration about good bone health that makes active aging possible. To learn more about bone health, to become involved and or help fuel BHOF's mission with financial support, visit bonehealthandosteoporosis.org.